What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Dorn Podcast. This is episode 70. Oh, shoot. Now I forgot the number. One. <laughs> 71. <laughs> and we're going to be covering Matthew 1 and 2. friends and welcome to the adorned podcast we're your hosts Aaron and Casey we would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's word whether you are a college student walking to class a mom folding laundry during nap time or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible so Matthew chapter 1 it starts off with a lot of genealogy. We all love genealogy, right? Raise your hand <laughs> if you skip the genealogy in the reading. Both of our hands are up. No, no we didn't skip it. <laughs> Not this time, at least. Um, we've learned. We've, we've learned that learned. there is importance in the genealogy. Um, that's one of those things that sometimes it really is easier for me to listen to because oh, I'm like yeah. trying to like, like how do stumble I over word? these in my head. Aminadabadab. <laughs> yeah. you know? And I'm like reading the name. Salmon, I read it salmon, but it's not salmon. It's salmon or something. Anyway, <laughs> maybe I'm just thinking about food. I don't know. Oh, apparently, that's funny. So, um, verses one through seventeen of chapter one are the genealogy of Jesus, which is super cool because that's just a reminder that he's a person, yeah, like a human, yeah, um, fully God and fully man, which we'll talk about a little bit more, but. So, like we were referring to, we talk a lot about how it's easy to skip over all the hard-to-pronounce names, but um, it is a part of God's inspired word for a reason. Mm-hmm. And Aaron pointed out when we were studying Genesis that genealogy shows that names matter to mm-hmm. God. Um, it's not just person one and person two and person three, right. like or this many generations. Like When names are listed, it's because it's important to God, and um, it, it reminds us that he's a personal mm-hmm. God. And it's also a reminder that God is a God of order. And um, when we pay attention to the number of generations between certain events, there's usually a pattern. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where even like with homeschooling and stuff, I teach the kids like God even invented math, you know, like you, you see this order in numbers and numbers are important to God too. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're not going to read all 17 verses to you. I know you're you're disappointed. You would like to hear how (laughs) this Texas girl pronounces all these names. So I'm not going to do that to you, but we are going to read just a little bit of it. So verse one starts out in the, um, saying an account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So why, why do they start with that before they even get into the genealogy? So there's a few reasons. Um, and this is that observation piece that we talked about, um, last week, you know, as, as you read through the genealogy, you just want to stop and say, okay, what stands out to Mm me? Um, and we can see that they say Jesus Christ. So Mm. why don't they just say Jesus. And that's because um, Christ means Messiah or royalty. And so once again, like I've already said, that means that Jesus is fully man and fully God because Jesus, as we will read later on, was a normal Jewish name. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the fully man part. But the Christ shows us that he is royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see the names David and the same in the name um, Abraham. And we see these names listed right off the bat because like we were talking last Last week, this is Matthew um, reminding the Jews that Jesus is who he said he is. Mm-hmm. And he came from the line of David, just like it said it would be in prophecy. And this is um, 
Jesus fulfilling this covenant made with Abraham mm-hmm. that we talked about when we studied Genesis, that um, all of these generations were going to come from Abraham. Mm-hmm. And so that's why this is listed right off the bat. Yeah, he's a new and better David. Mm-hmm. He's a new and better Abraham. Yeah. Um, and then we go through all the names, which we're going to spare you on because we know you already read them. <laughs> and then picking up at 17, it says, So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David until the exile to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the exile of Babylon until Christ, 14 generations. That's right. So once again, numbers are important um, and this order is important. Um, And this is not something that I always tend to see on my own. But luckily here it's listed in the text, 14, 14 and 14. Um, But that's another reason that study Bibles and Bible teachers are important because they can explain some of that to us. But um, there's three groups of 14 to show that God has a purpose in history. And um, there's also a couple of other reasons that we might see three groups of 14. I mentioned last week, you know, that um, during this time, people would memorize the Bible. And so if you have the same numbers over and over, that helps you memorize things. Um, 14 is two times seven. And we know that seven is a significant number in the Mm -hmm. Bible. And then this is done three times. And three is also significant. Um, If you actually count the last group, there's only 13 um, listed. But God isn't listed in that. And he is the actual father of Jesus. So I thought that was really interesting. That was brought out on. I didn't either. I told you I don't with numbers like I don't. I don't usually count and stuff. Um, that was pointed out on a um, podcast that I was listening to. Mm. So I thought that was really cool that like, wait, there's only 13. But it's because God the father is not listed. One thing that I really took away from this and this is another thing that you probably wouldn't catch and I didn't really even catch the first time I read through but when we look at these all of these names and all these generations we don't necessarily recognize them there's some we recognize Mm -hmm. because we've just Mm -hmm. studied Genesis right right. but there's a lot that we might not recognize but one um, pastor that I was listening to teach through this he was saying the reason these one of the reasons these are all listed is obviously to show Jesus's genealogy but it's also to show that God saves the religious, God saves the sinner, God saves Ooh. the woman, God saves the man, mm-hmm. God saves the illegitimate child, God saves, and that no one is out of his reach. Mm-hmm. And I read that and I was like, what a great way to start the book, yep. to remind ourselves that God is in control and God can use anybody he pleases and save anybody he pleases. And he, we see that by looking at, I mean, it, I don't know if you caught this, but if you were with us in Genesis, the... Um, I want to see what verse it is so you can actually read it so you know I'm not making this up. But it talks about <laughs> the, the were they twins? Uh, I don't remember. I don't know that they were twins. Um, why can't I find this? No. But She's making it up. Totally. I'm not, <laughs> not making it up. <laughs> oh, okay. Perez and Zara. And it says Judah fathered Perez and Zara by Tamar. And we, if you remember that story, it's a really hard story that we studied Aaron, in Aaron Genesis. Aaron wanted to skip over it. I, I told her we could skip it. I did. <laughs> um, and I, we don't have time to go into it too much, but we know that that story was a story that was full of sin and yet God redeems. Mm-hmm. And so we see by looking at all these people, like they're still listed yep. in the line of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so what, what an encouragement for us to know that, you know, we thought Joseph should have been the one listed here mm-hmm. when we talked about Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, yes. but it's actually Judah that's listed, listed, and that is such an encouragement to us that God is saying, I can redeem 
anything and anyone. And so I just, I was really encouraged by that as reading through these lists of names. What was something else that encouraged you? Well, um, speaking of Tamar, so women, this is, this is part of my favorite part of this genealogy. Women are not typically listed in, um, Jewish genealogy Mm -hmm. at this time, but we see five different women listed. We see Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. And the first four um, that were listed are often used as an example of, oh, see, like Jesus came from a line of sinners, Mm. which is true. Mm -hmm. And these women um, do have somewhat rough backgrounds. Um, But there are a lot of other sinners listed in this genealogy. We're all sinners, right? So that's not the only point that Matthew's trying to make here. Um, The other point is that those first four women are Gentiles. Mm. So this is to show that um, the grafting in of Gentiles, and then Jen Wilkin put it this way. She said, and it's to show the vastness of God's mercy and salvation. Mm. Um, Just because of the way things were like it could, they couldn't list Gentile men, I think is what she said. I don't remember exactly what it was, but anyway, the women had to be listed. Mm. Um, But I just, I just love this. And as a woman, like I don't, I'm not going to go like super feminist on you or anything, but like, I just think that it, it's somewhat empowering Mm -hmm. to, to remember that like there were women Mm -hmm. in the line of Jesus and they were important enough to be listed here. Um, God, God uses us for big things and that's important to remember. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. Picking up in verse 18, um, I'm going to read 18 through 25 and then we're going to kind of break it down because there's some super good stuff in here. Like we mentioned, this is not the long extended version of Jesus's birth like we get in Luke. So just buckle up tight because it comes real quick. (laughs) Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Here's here's your first bit of prophecy. Mm fulfilled in verse 23 behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call him Emmanuel which means God with us when Joseph woke from sleep he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and he took his wife but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and she called and he called his name Jesus so why is this a much shorter um, version of this story than in Luke I think audience probably I think you know, pointing out the prophecy specifically and maybe leaving out some of the other stuff was because he was speaking directly to the Jews. I'm not 100% on that. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think probably similar. I also wonder if um, maybe the Jews already knew this story pretty well. Oh, do you ever yeah. think about yeah. that? Like, as I was just thinking through, I didn't read that anywhere. But as I was thinking through, I'm like, well, if this is, I mean, Jesus was the king of the Jews. Like, he was, he was their king. And so maybe... They didn't need as much detail because they they already knew the story. Yeah, um, that makes sense. You know, maybe. But um, so. So my personal favorite 
um, part of the scriptures, what we had you memorize as your memory verse that verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And in my Spurgeon Bible, there was a whole sermon on this that was really fantastic. I'm not going to read you the whole sermon, obviously, but um, (laughs) one thing I took away from it is that the first link, this is a quote from Spurgeon, the first link between my soul and Christ is not my goodness, but my badness, not my merit, but my misery, not my standing, but my falling, not my riches, but my need. So I think that's, um, Matthew is introducing us to Jesus. And when he does that, he's saying, you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So it's reminding us that we need a savior and that's why Jesus is coming. And so just starting us off right away with our understanding of Jesus, like he's saying, is mentioning he's fulfilling prophecy, but he's coming to save his people from their sins, reminds us first that we need a savior and that Jesus is here to do that. It's not something we earn. It's something that Jesus has come and that he will accomplish. And so I think it's just a really good reminder for us. And talks, um, he talks a little bit more in that sermon about, and I thought this was so good because the phrase, he will save his people from their sins. Spurgeon breaks that down in two ways. So when we're thinking about our salvation, um, we've mentioned this briefly on here, but I'm just going to do a brief recap of it. There's kind of, you could say two parts. There's our justification, which is instantaneous, paid for by the blood of Jesus on the cross. You are saved the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and there's no turning back from that. So in this way, Jesus comes to save his people from his sins, but he also comes to save his people from his sins in what we would call sanctification, which is the second part of what we would call our salvation. And that's growing to be more like Jesus every day. One is instantaneous. One is a lifelong process. And so Spurgeon makes the point of, yes, Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. And then we don't just sit around and wait till we die. He has come to also continually Mm -hmm. save us from sinning. And I thought that was a really good reminder for us to just sit in that as we remind ourselves who Jesus is and why he came is not just one of those things. Mm -hmm. It's not just to help us be better people or more moral or make better decisions. And it's not to just instantaneously save us from hell. It's both. It's Jesus came to save us for our salvation, but also to help us to be more like him, which is a lot from just one little phrase. But I think it's it's a really good place to kind of ground ourselves as we go through the mm-hmm. book of Matthew and reminding ourselves, hey, these first couple chapters are almost like the thesis statement of what we're going to yeah. learn in the rest of Matthew. And that's who Jesus is and why he came. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is that Jesus not only saves us, but he keeps us. Yes. Yes. Um, and so there's that justification and sanctification part in that. Just um, a few little fun facts. Jesus is the Greek equivalent for Joshua, which means Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh saves or God delivers. So I love that. There you go. Um, let's see. So as I'm reading through this, one of the first things that stood out to me was that Joseph was a good man. Like he knew that he had to divorce Mary, but he didn't want to put her to shame, Mm -hmm. which he could have easily done. He could have just been like, I'm done with you. Um, But we see from the very beginning that he um, was a good godly man. And we're going to see that over and over. Um, I just think he's a good example to us. Yeah. So why, why do you think it's the first prophecy that we see is referring to 
the virgin birth? I think it's because um, the means of our salvation must be through something that can only happen by the will of God. Mm-hmm. Like it has to be a miracle. And we're going to yeah. talk about that more later um, with with the star and the wise men yeah. and all of that. But it has to be like nobody could question Oh, well, like, did Mary do that on her own? You yeah. know, like nobody well, could, on her own nobody on her could, own. well, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody could question, you know, this was truly miraculous, miraculous. So yes. salvation had to come through, um, something that only God could do. Yeah. And then I love how they say, um, his name will be Emmanuel, mm-hmm. God with us, mm-hmm. um, which is what Jesus is. He's yeah. God wrapped in yeah. flesh with yeah. us. That's good. So before we jump into chapter two, in case he was alluding to this a little bit, but at church this week, we talked about like how we see God's sovereignty and how it shows up, like we're saying in, in this instance, in really miraculous ways, right? Like an angel just shows up and is like, Hey, Joseph. And we don't see it in Matthew, but we know that an angel also showed up to Mary. And, and so we sometimes see God's sovereignty. So we're thinking over, you know, Jesus has to be born and these specific things have to happen and God is in control of those things. And in order for those things to take place, sometimes angels show up. Mm -hmm. And so we see God's sovereignty in that way. But at church this week, we were talking about how sometimes God's sovereignty is a little more not I guess behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, And we could see that as well in the fact that Jesus was born in a manger and he was born to lowly parents, not to Kings. And, um, and these things we probably wouldn't be like, Oh, that's so miraculous. They're so glorious or something like that. I doubt Mary was like super excited to, give birth in a manger because no. I would not be especially since I'm pregnant right now like I was the thought say, of that you want to like, have little Reed in a manger <laughs> no thank you no thank you but we know on this side of history now looking back how all of that showed God's sovereignty and we see a lot of that through hey this was prophesied and yep. this was fulfilled but in that moment they didn't know you know they might have heard some of the prophecy but they weren't thinking this is God's um, sovereignty in this miracle in this glorious way but I think keeping these two ideas of, you know, sometimes we see God's sovereignty and angels showing up in like, we'll talk about later with the star and these big obvious things, but then also sometimes thinking of, you know, God's sovereignty is working always behind the scenes is a really good focus for us as we move through the rest of um, our time in Matthew and just anything you're reading in scriptures to kind of keep your eye out for, hey, what is God doing in that moment, big and small, because then it's really um, a good practice for us to get into for in our own life, because it familiarizes us with who God is and how he works. And when we see that in scripture, then we know, you know, God is immutable. We've talked about that. He never changes. He's always the same. And so we can know that God's doing the same in our lives and that sometimes he might show up in these big miracle ways like somebody leaves a check on your door for exactly how much money you needed to pay a bill but then sometimes you know it's good to remind us like even when that check maybe doesn't come like God is still behind the scenes working and sovereign over all things so I think when we're looking for it in scripture it'll train us to look for it in our own lives as well and then in return worship him and praise him for it yeah it makes me think of one of my favorite quotes I and it's Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliot. I'm pretty sure she says um, that if you believe God's sovereign over the mm-hmm. thunderstorm, mm-hmm. then you have to believe that he's sovereign over every single raindrop. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that has always just been such a good picture to me um, because we have this big, huge thunderstorms. I mentioned before that I have a big fear of thunderstorms. They're very big and scary to me. Mm-hmm. If God's sovereign over that. He's sovereign over even the summer 
you know, yeah. sprinkles. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just a good picture to me. Um, At the end of this chapter, I'll read it again, um, where it says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. We see here immediate obedience Mm -hmm. from Joseph. And we're going to continue to see this theme, which it wasn't one of the themes listed in Matthew that I had read, but I have picked up on it quite a bit in my reading, this theme of immediate Mm -hmm. obedience. I'm trying to teach this to my kids. Oh yeah, um, me too. Because it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll be, oh, just a minute, just yeah. a minute, mommy. And I'm like, no. Yeah. And I had already been trying to teach this to him. And as I'm reading through Matthew, I'm like, okay, this is great. Like, I can show them this yeah. in scripture that we see Joseph was immediately mm-hmm. obedient. We see, you know, we see it over and over. And so, um, my dad always said like delayed obedience is disobedience. disobedience. Yes. And yeah. I, as a mother, agree with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can get behind that. I can get behind that. <laughs> so moving on to chapter two. Chapter two. All right. We're going to go verse one through six. Do you want to read this time? Sure. Okay. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for you shall come for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel so again we see that prophecy and I've um like I said I've been going through this with my girls and we've been focusing on okay where does that prophecy come from and then we try to find it in uh-huh. the Old Testament it's yeah. like it's kind of like a puzzle for yeah. them they really like yeah. it but I think like it made me stop and think like that's that's a gift from God because he doesn't have to prove himself to us no you know and so just the fact that he he has included that in you know his holy word is is really a gift to us to be able to say oh look that says that back there and look how Jesus fulfilled that and so I've really enjoyed um kind of like finding those correlations but in this one specifically I think it's a reminder of what we talked about with Joseph at the end of Genesis of how um, God can use anything for good, even these stories. And we're going to learn more about Herod and the nastiness that comes out of this. But we have to keep in mind, like as we read these stories that, you know, God is sovereign, like we just mm-hmm. talked about, even not over like the big things and the small things, but also the bad things and that he can use um, and mean any of those things for good. And so as we continue to, um, read about what happens with Herod, I think it's just good to keep in mind, like God was not like, Oh, I don't know what's happening. What's going on here. And, um, just remember that he is always there, always sovereign. Yeah. I mean, Herod was a pretty nasty guy. Like he had already, he became King by killing three of his own sons. Oh my gosh. And he was in the line of Esau, um, which we talked about Esau in Genesis. Um, and then also, this is interesting. The wise men, they were astrologers, and they were more than likely pagans mm-hmm. um, that worshiped the sun, moon, and stars. So mm-hmm. they weren't even worshipers of the yeah. one true God. I was reading, though, that they, they would have known no. these Old Testament prophecies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there would have been some, like... Knowledge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which knowledge doesn't necessarily mean no. anything, but no. um, yeah. they would have at least been aware of, of what was going on here. Yeah. 
So moving on to verses 7 and 8, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, and I too may come and worship him. So at this point, Matthew starts calling Jesus the child to show his vulnerability Mm. and his humanity. Mm. Um, So we go from at the first part of Matthew seeing where he's calling Jesus, Jesus Christ, you know, showing us this kingship Mm -hmm. and royalty. And now Matthew's calling him um, the child to show that he he was human and he was in this vulnerable state at this point I read to you that also it helps us um like the word actually that is used there for child denotes that it's not a baby anymore which helps us to remember right yes yeah he's not Jesus is not he's not still in the manger Mm -hmm. he's not um which is just a good reminder yeah all right verse nine after listening to the king they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So here we see um, fulfillment of more prophecy um, with uh, the fact that these kings or these wise men brought him gifts Mm -hmm. and I was listening to a sermon this morning and it was talking about um, these were the best of the best gifts and how many times do we like give God like our leftovers you Uh, know but we should be offering to God what is very most important Mm. to us Um, so that really stood out to me and we also um, you know you hear in the Bible a lot like that the sun and the moon and the stars will bow down and worship Mm -hmm. God and we see this here like worshipers of the sun moon and stars Mm. are now bowing down to worship Jesus Mm, so I like that picture that's good I think too, anytime we read, you know, these stories like Casey mentioned that we're probably familiar with from childhood and, you know, especially the story of Christmas that try to read it like you have never read it before, which is obviously tricky. But I think one thing that jumps out is how there's these, you know, three different people or three different groups. There's Mary, there's Joseph, and there's the wise men who all were either met by an angel or met in their dreams. Like it said right here, they were met in a dream and told not to return to Herod and how just like Casey said, they acted in immediate obedience, but not just immediate obedience, but like they weren't complaining about it. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. if I act in immediate obedience, there's usually some begrudging going on <laughs> there. Grumbling. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, they all, we don't see any of that from them and just how incredible that is. And it reminds us of this tension of God's sovereignty and yet human responsibility mm-hmm. yeah. Like God met them with an angel or with a dream and told them to do this thing, but then they also do it. So there is, there is this, you know, we're always keeping God's sovereignty in mind, but that doesn't disc discount us from having to still obey and so we see that um some great examples of that through mary and joseph and the wise men another thing that um i was thinking about this morning was just the faith this was kind of brought up in something i was listening to the faith that these wise men had to have in worshiping this child yeah um faith that he was the Mm. king that was prophesied um and it got me thinking about my, my faith. And in this specific sermon I was listening to, he was talking about the star. And he was talking about how some people have a lot of trouble. Um, they kind of get hung up on certain things. Mm-hmm. And the star is one of the things that they get hung up on because 
well, did it really happen? Like, let's let's look at the scientific facts and uh, see if that could really happen, uh, you know? And they just have a hard time, like, believing that God just moved this star without it throwing, like, the whole universe, you know, off course. And just my personality, I'm a pretty trusting person. And so I'm like, sure, God can do that. Um, but, and that's not to say I have more faith than anybody that just says <laughs> that sometimes, you know, um, <laughs> what's the word for it? Um, am I... Yeah, I can't think of the word for it. But yeah, I'm easily tricked. Um, Gullible? Gullible, (laughs) yes. I'm pretty gullible. Um, But I, so I've never had a hard time believing that. But I was just thinking back on my life um, in the last few months. And um, I have seen time and time again, and I said the last few months, because there has been some pretty obvious things in my life in the last few months. But really, I mean, my whole life, I see time and time again, tiny miracles. Like Aaron was talking about earlier with God's sovereignty, you know, sometimes it can be these huge things like God moving a star, but then other times it, it can be somewhat smaller things. Mm-hmm. But there, there have literally been things in my life recently where I have said that is impossible. Like mm-hmm. that is not going to happen. And then like the very next weekend, Oh, it happens. Mm -hmm. And the only explanation is God. Mm -hmm. So I think we can look at things like that in our own life and realize like God's working miracles all the time. And then take that when we're reading scripture and realize like absolutely God could have moved that star. Like, yes, this baby could be born from a virgin. Like God can do anything Mm -hmm. and nothing is impossible with him and so I was just thinking about that this morning because I know that there are people that struggle with passages like this we we have a friend that has expressed that before and she's like I just get hung up on these things but if you look at your own life look Mm. at your children's faces childbirth alone is a miracle I mean I could go on and on and on about how many miracles there are in our life so if we see these in our own life then then these are true too yeah they are that's good that's good all right verse 13 Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of the Egypt, out of the Egypt, out of Egypt, I called my son. So once again, we see that immediate obedience, mm-hmm. immediately. And we see the God God using even what someone meant for evil yes. to yes. be f- to fulfill prophecy. Mm-hmm. And once again, a dream mm-hmm. um, or, you know, an angel. Well, an angel in a dream, so both. <laughs> <laughs> and we see um, the word here, son, means Israel, which is um, Jesus is the new Israel. Um, which we've already talked about. And we've talked about this a little bit on, I went back and listened to it. I couldn't find our notes for some reason, but, um, we talked about on our Christmas episode about how that's actually a little bit controversial. Some people Mm -hmm. say that the prophecy was referring to, um, well, we're going to see the prophecy later, but some people say it was referring to, um, just Israel, not Mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, but, I am of the belief that I believe that Matthew is saying that Jesus is the new Israel here. Um, So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And then the not fun part of the story. Mm -hmm. 
in verse 16 through 18, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah. Yeah. Rama. Something. Weeping <laughs> and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Ugh. Just hate this part of the story. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I mean, I think there's multiple reasons that, you know, this is included in scripture because it happened. And But I think one thing that we can really take away from it once we've done our observations and our interpretations and we're going to the application mm-hmm. part, I think is that it's showing us that there is evil and there is a need for Jesus. And if we don't see, we've talked about this before, if we don't see the darkness, then we don't see the light. And so I think there's kind of this, um, there's like a literary term for this. I don't remember what it is, but there's this opposite almost of Mm -hmm. happening. Okay. Jesus is coming to save the people and look at what humanity is doing to the people. Yeah. And so just kind of giving us this big dramatic, like we talked about a little bit in Genesis of seeing the, the fallenness and brokenness of man truly gets us to see Jesus for who he really is and how much his blood accomplishes on the cross on our behalf. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, you were talking about literary terms, and I can't remember. I was trying to think of some literary terms, too. Obviously, that is, <laughs> that's that is not, not our, our thing. Um, but we see a lot of parallels mm-hmm. in this, too. Parallels to the story of Moses, yeah. where yeah. the Pharaoh was killing the baby boys. Parallels mm-hmm. to the story of Abraham, where Abraham, and this was really interesting. Jen Wilkin was talking about this, and she was talking about um, looking at a map when okay. you're reading this. Um, but she was talking about how Abraham, he goes to Egypt from the promised land then goes back to the promised land and then also Joseph and the Israelites they go to Egypt during the famine and then they go back to the promised land so we see this um, same thing with Jesus they take him into Egypt and then they take him back to where the promised land would be so I was Ah. like that was really cool to see Um, and once again that's just a whole nother element of studying um, scripture is and I've learned this through and I've mentioned it before through um studying like Middle Eastern geography with the girls Mm -hmm. in um, CC because a lot of times these places just seem very abstract to us. Right, right. They're not real places. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So actually looking at these places on the map and seeing like, okay, like the wise men came from here and they they came all the way to here. Well, that helps us see that like Jesus was no longer a baby when they got to him because they could not have gotten there that fast. Um, You know, and then watching how Jesus went from – here to Egypt and then back, you know, like it just, um, it gives us a different visual, just like Mm -hmm. listening to the Bible gives us a different perspective, looking at a map and following Paul's journeys when you go and study, you know, his missionary journeys and just all different stuff. It just, it gives you a different perspective Yeah, and it makes you realize these places are real Yes, too. Yes. And I think, you know, like we mentioned on last week's episode, like whatever one interests you, like dive into that. Yeah. Don't feel like you have to listen to it. Look at all the maps. Like if you want to do it all, good for you. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, I have no, I'm not an auditory learner. but I really love maps Mm -hmm. then like cool go for that because the Lord will totally meet you there Mm -hmm. and yeah yep um so this last part is verses 19 through 23 the return to Nazareth 
But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream, once again, to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go back to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the distinct uh, to the d- district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that... Um, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. There's fulfilled prophecy again, that he would be called a Nazarene. So once again, we see two of our themes, that immediate Mm -hmm. obedience by Joseph once again. And then um, we also see another fulfillment of prophecy. And so um, I just love looking for these themes throughout. It changes it from just this, oh, like we were talking about just this history to, wow, this has such deep, rich meaning yeah yeah so. that's really good really good so Matthew 1 and 2 are done yeah so um what would you say is your biggest takeaway from these two chapters I think right now oh gosh so much like I just feel like I've learned so much studying these first two chapters so I can't wait for the rest of the book but um probably two different things immediate obedience mm-hmm. whether that's helping my teach my children even in my own life though yeah um definitely in my own life for when God says um do this then I should say okay and yeah. do that yeah um and then the other thing I think is just the faith um mm-hmm. Just knowing that God's a God of miracles and that nothing is impossible. He can move mountains. He can move stars. He can He can make anything happen. And seeing his sovereignty in, in the big and the little. Yeah. And I can keep going on, but those are my yeah. main takeaways. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? I think, I think the just like seeing very clearly, I think the way Matthew writes it with the prophecy and tying it to the old Testament is one of my favorite things, but seeing very clearly all of the little things that had to happen in order for this to fulfill all of these prophecies and how that reminds us like that nothing is out of God's hand, whether it's the star, whether it's the gifts that the wise men bring, whether it's evil, even the evil. Yeah. 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 All right. So next week we will be covering Matthew chapter three. So in the next six days or seven days before the next episode comes out, try to really inductively study that or listen to it or pray through it or whatever is your method of meeting with Jesus. And our memory verse, if that's the kind of thing you're into, is chapter three, verse 17. And it says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.